0: hey guys this is joe damn she's gonna think i got that premature evacuation
1: what's up guys it's eric anybody order a love burger well done time to get freaky their first night of freedom
0: he is the most dope guy in school
1: yeah and school's over was their last chance amanda to say what they want god you're a hottie Hey, can I see you naked? Hey, Do what they feel. Maybe I should wear the hat. Listen here, Hootie. Hootie! And be who they are. I wonder how William was doing at the party. I can't feel my legs. I can't feel my legs! Can't Hardly Wait. way to PG-13. Opens everywhere June 12th. You're listening to Worth a Late Fee, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they think the film would still be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. What's new,
0: Joe? Not too much, Eric. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. I I have one more quote that I have to do. I was nervous. It's too long of a quote, and I was like, I'm not going to be able to get it done without stumbling, but it's a quote from Kenny. We're talking about Canada, way. in case you didn't already hear the trailer and download the episode, but it's a quote from Kenny that my friend Scotty and I like quote all the time, and it's when Kenny says, they're in the convenience store, and he says, That means I got a I got a ninety two percent chance of embarrassing myself. I roll up on that shorty like, "What's up, yo?" She'd be like, "You don't know twenty different ways to make me call you big papa, cause I don't, yo." It's one of my one of my favorite random movie quotes that him and I quote, and no one has any clue what we're talking about. So shout out to yeah,
0: that's one of some great quotes.
1: And then the best part (laughs) the best part of that quote is so it's if you haven't seen the movie, it's three white guys who are unaware that they're (laughs) white and suburban uh and <laughs> so after he says that his like buddy who's the same as him goes like rest in peace and he, he like pounds his chest and puts two fingers up oh yeah <laughs> but other than other than the movie we we're talking we'll talk about the movie later what, what's new with you
0: a lot of things so i went to the theater for the first time since march i think i talked about this a little bit last time considering if i was yeah. yeah so i did go see a quiet place part two thursday night it was pretty cool because the theater I went to, John Krasinski did a like live Q and A after as like a live stream thing. So he was at, he was there on the live stream. The cameras were there.
1: That's awesome. Where yeah, the was the theater? We,
0: it was we did the uh, Rockingham Theater, the new one that opened up oh, and wow. uh, by the mall. Yeah,
1: I so drive was, by that all the way going to ho- all the time going to hockey, and I'm like,
0: it was my first time it? there. It was really nice. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, and he did a live Q and A there. Like I said, I wasn't expecting it, so it was kind of a really cool surprise at the end there. But that's the, awesome. The movie's awesome. It's breaking a ton of records post-pandemic in the theaters, so it's awesome to hear the theaters coming back to life a little bit because for a little while there, it was looking pretty, uh, pretty grim for some of the theaters, so it's nice to see them kind of get that jump right now. That boost. I'm hoping
1: that that's one of the things that, that comes out of this is that people realize that people are kind of sick. Like Netflix and Prime and Hulu and whatever, they're all great, but I hope that people missed um, like the going to the movie experience. And, and you know what I mean? Now on the flip side, it would help people miss that and make it easier if it didn't cost like, you know, if you're a, a pair, couple parents with two kids, it costs you like $50 to kids to the movies before candy and soda and whatever. So that would be great if they could like meet us in the middle on that. But, like you said I, I i hope that that's something that i know i can't wait to go back to the movies um so
0: yeah it's it's, it's one of the rare films right now that isn't getting a cross-platform release it's only in theaters no digital you have to see it in theaters right now which is i think another big push for this you see a lot of these movies now coming out on both like peacock or paramount streaming service and theaters kind of simultaneously but yep. this is just theaters
1: yeah i um like right towards the beginning of maybe not the beginning of of the pandemic but once it um so like so so it's not this time last year but kind of going into the fall last year when we were just looking at like oh no we're in for another six months of of horrible horrible times i said to myself because something i used to do a little every once in a while is go to the movies just by myself and I, i i told i told Bree, my wife I was like once we can start doing it again I'm gonna start going to the movies by myself again I don't even care like I'll just pick take a day off from work or go on a like a weekend day during the day see a movie that I want to see because I mean you know my knowledge of movies that are out in theaters right now is horrible and so I think I'd like to start like just keeping up with movies and just it's a good way to relax and you know yep. all yeah all that stuff um yeah. No. Anything else new?
0: Have you been following? Well, I've been watching Trying still. It's a great show on Apple TV. But have you been following the uh the Celtics bombshell today? I, we're gonna talk sports for a second here, just for a brief second. But I did have
1: a note to tell you, rest in peace, Celtics. So because I, I know Joe's a bigger Celtics fan than I am. I'm a very casual basketball fan. But yeah, I, I well, so I saw it in. It's kind of stages. I saw that Brad Stevens is taking over for Danny Ainge. Is that what what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, but I thought, I assumed that that meant he was going to be the coach and the president slash GM slash whatever you want to call it. I didn't realize till later that he's stepping back from coaching.
0: Right. He's going to be hiring a new coach. He's going to be the one in charge of the hiring process. So it's going to be interesting to see like what this team looks like, who remains and so many contracts and things up in the air right now so
1: i want to put of the names that have been thrown out there one of the names that is rumored is chauncey billups and i want to put uh my vote in for chauncey billups because i am i don't even know if you know this i own one celtics jersey it's a chauncey Billups celtics jersey which is crazy because he was on the team for like six months because they drafted him and then they traded him to detroit like they, he, I think he played like 30 games in the Celtics or something like that. So, I just want my Chauncey Billups Celtics jersey to be relevant again. So, I don't even know how I got that jersey. <laughs> I just, I just I, ended up with it.
0: I actually have okay. So I have some odd jerseys. I, I one of them Scott Green jersey. No, I'm kidding. I have one from when he played. That's. Cool. Um, I also have Mark Bellhorn's jersey.
1: <laughs> oh man, I have this. I've so. Mark Bellhorn got a. He got a. He had, a bad, yeah. he had a bad break. But my mem- when I think of Mark Bellhorn, I think of, obviously, the World Series. But that year, <clears throat> excuse me, if you went to Fenway, he took the worst roster picture of all time. I'll try to find it and put it up, like, randomly on the, on the Worth the V Instagram. But I remember, this is going to be the most random memory, right? So I went to a game with, like, three or four of my friends. It was against the L.A. Dodgers, an interleague game against the L.A. Dodgers. And do you remember, there used to be a player for L.A. He played on a few teams, but his name was Milton Bradley. And he he was infamous for throwing, like, he had the worst, he was the biggest hothead of all time. And so he got thrown out of this game, or I don't know if he got thrown out or he just got a bad call. And we were sitting right behind the visiting dugout. So he's walking towards us, and he's like, you know, throwing his arms up in the air he's like swearing yelling at the ump and yelling at everyone and he's walking towards us and we're like yelling at him and you know whatever like everyone else is. but so whenever I sit near the visiting dugout at Fenway that's what I think of but the other thing I think of from that game is there's a picture somewhere of me mocking the Mark Bellhorn like uh, roster pick because it was the least flattering picture of all time so whenever <laughs> I think of Mark Bellhorn I think of that horrible and he's you know he's not a bad looking guy it's just they, the team photographer
0: did not do him any favors that year. So, yes. All well, right, a rough year to begin with, rough career, with, and then they have this guy come up, take his picture.
1: He had a, he had a, he had a, he, yeah, he, he was a good player. He just wasn't. He was
0: great defensively. I will I,
1: In the playoffs, I, he was good too, yeah. offensively. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So.
1: He was. Oh, no, Jerry, you're making this a bro podcast. I know. This is
0: what is happening. This is like a sports like spinoff here. Guys, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry.
1: I'll, so, <laughs> I'll unwind it. So, I've been, I have a few things to talk about. One of them was the recipe Celtics comment. Uh, the other one is we'll kind of skip over the Bruins playoff series tied one to one. That's what I've been watching a lot of. But the big thing I wanted to talk about is the mayor of East town finale. Um, that show ended. I'm not going to say anything about it because Joe hasn't watched it yet, but I definitely recommend checking out that series. Um, Kate wins. amazing. There are some other people. Every, there are a lot of people on that in that series that are amazing but the thing i before we started recording i told you we were talking about uh film soundtracks and film scores and i said oh there's something i want to talk to you about but i'm gonna wait till we're recording (laughs) so i got an email today that in lowell the outdoor film festival the outdoor films uh, i mean uh, music festival music series the new england film orchestra is playing in in lowell in august like mid to late august and they're doing they're performing scores and songs from films such as star wars james bond jurassic park game of thrones batman and back to the future so i was oh, like wow. that has joe written all over it are you
0: going to this I, I, i'll
1: i'll go That
0: sounds tickets, awesome yes. tickets
1: are extremely affordable and it's awesome outdoors so that's
0: a win-win i am if yeah you we just made plans on on the air here it's perfect yep yep, yep. <laughs> are you drinking gunner's plans? daughter i am yeah this is actually oh, nice dude not i kidding I don't know where I got this from. Is I, I know I bought it from when we went together at RMA, but I drank that one. So I'm not sure if this yeah. one popped up, but yeah, still tastes good. I'm not sure if it's old really? up, but it still tastes really they, good. So
1: they recently came out. So Joe's drinking Gunner's daughter stout from um from uh, Mass Landing in Maine. They released a vanilla version of it like a few weeks ago. It's like a but which was good, but that's that's the best. That's yeah, that still... this
0: that was a chocolate peanut butter. Yeah, it's really yep. good.
1: Yep. So I'm drinking, you, uh, that's that pretty good. I, I know that can, I try, <laughs> yeah, I bought that can so many times. Um, I'm drinking. So the beer is called things we don't say from Eagle park brewing. And I'm not going to lie. I kind of picked it up because I was thinking of the conversation between Preston and the angel stripper played by Jen, Jenna Elvin, where they have the conversation about like Barry Manilow and Scott Bayo and how you have to take a shot when you have a shot and say what you need to say. But it's actually uh, about raising awareness for mental health issues, which is way more important than anything in this movie, uh, especially nowadays with all the craziness going on, but great beer. And uh, both for the tie-in to can't hardly Weight and more importantly for mental health issues. I I think it's a, it's a good one. Definitely recommend it. So to get to the movie, finally, this was my pick. I picked it. I think I said last week, it's graduation season, everyone is trying to figure out, everyone graduating high school and college and whatever is trying to figure out what their next move is, maybe probably more, even more than usual with, in the current environment. So I've had this kind of tucked in my back pocket and I've been telling myself I wanted to review it, but I was like, I'll wait till around this time of year. This one is a big one for me. I, my memory of this film is this came out when I was 13. I went to the movies uh, more during that part of my life, probably than any other part of my life. And I remember seeing this with a friend of mine, uh, and we were both like, "Whoa, that's what high school is like!" Because we were going into high school the next year. So I also remember owning the VHS, owning the DVD. This was a huge movie for me in my teenage years, for the soundtrack, for the for the story. You know, and we'll get into that later. But yeah, what's your first memory? Can't hardly wait.
0: I mean, I don't remember when the first time I saw this, but it was definitely while I was in high school. It's one of those films that. I can generally relate to some things, in this case, more so Preston. I feel like um, I always loved American Pie growing up. And while in high school, I considered this the more tame version of that film with the high school kids about to graduate and currently looking for love and sex and so forth. Um, the cast always stuck out with me though. And watching it now is it fun to point out all the actors who definitely got much bigger in their careers.
1: One of the <laughs> like most, Stiegel, for one of the craziest casts you could ever. There's, there's almost no one in this movie that is no one. Like, yeah, right. you know what I mean? Like the, p- there are people like Jerry O'Connell's in the movie for, for two seconds and you're like, that's Jerry O'Connell. Like, you know, Don't yeah. phase I
0: Faison. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Jason Rec- Stewart, like we mentioned. So it's really cool. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So do you have any stats as far as how it did uh, financially?
0: Yeah. So, uh, Kelly way came out on June 12th, 1998 and had a budget of 10 to $13 million, making 25.6 million in the box office. It was written and directed by, Harry, uh, Harry Alphon and Deborah Kaplan. She also they also wrote and directed Josie and, the, *Josie and the Pussycats*, which as of late has gotten a lot more popular, and wrote some of, um, some other things together, such as *A Very pretty Sequel* and *Surviving Christmas*. Amongst those, they definitely stuck with the rom com drama uh, genre in their career. So I've done like Maid of Honor*, *Leap Year*, so a lot of rom coms.
1: Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, so. That's how it did financially, which is, you know, about what I expected. Not they didn't yeah. lose money. but And there was a
0: movie with ranked. no, as far as I know, the actors, no star mm-hmm. power, really. So they did that with a lot of star power.
1: Yeah. Really just Jennifer Love Hewitt at the right. time. Yeah. So um, critically and uh, how it's reviewed online, 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb, 40% on Rotten Tomatoes, 1.5 stars from Roger Ebert, not a fan. So this is a quote from his review. There's one, and I I agree with the first part of this in a a, a little bit. There's one character in the Wade who is interesting and funny. Maybe it was a mistake to write her in. She makes the other characters look like gnat-brained bozos. Her name is Denise. She is played by Lauren Ambrose, and she has a merry face, a biting tongue, and a a sardonic, I don't know, is is that the word? Sardonic angle on uh high school her classmates look like candidates for starship troopers or the sports illustrated swimsuit pictorial so i do agree that denise is awesome
0: yes that's actually one of my complaints act we'll get to in a little bit so i'm happy you said that
1: okay so yeah ebert's not a fan and then online with imdb and Rotten tomatoes kind of just meh like you know people don't hate it but they don't love it so which we'll we'll get into why that's probably It
0: it did come out in a flooded kind of like this a lot of movies came out in this kind of in this genre like the high school graduation scene like I feel like an American Pie like I mentioned was definitely like the overshadowing film of all of these I feel like like this kind of, that kind of overshadowed a lot of these high school graduation films because that was still relevant
1: yeah and I, I think I think what American Pie I think American Pie uh, aged better and what I mean is it's easier to you could Kids today can relate to American Pie better than they can relate to Canterbury Wade a little bit. And I love Canterbury Wade. I, I probably like it better. I like it more than I like American Pie, but I can yeah. acknowledge it's, its flaws. So um, some other stuff that was going on in the world. Uh, this is June of 1998, like you said. So st- other films that came out, Truman Show, Perfect Mort- Murder, Six Days, Seven Nights, Dirty Work, which is one of my all-time underrated one, comedies. That was my
0: first 3D purchase of all time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i
1: love it uh and then uh uh out in tv sex in the city premieres and then outside of that there wasn't a ton of news worth mentioning a lot of sports and some negative stuff so we can skip that joe do you have the back of the dvd summary because i actually
0: have the dvd oh yeah i have the blu-ray buried but yeah if you want read yours i just got my summary from uh, mm-hmm. google but i have to say though do you seen the have you seen the truman show yeah oh man was great okay
1: it is yeah i know it is um, all right, so it's graduation day at Huntington Hills High, a time for pomp and circumstance, tassels and mortar board, mortarboards, and serious introspection about the future. But tonight, the seniors will leave all that behind for the things that really matter. Romance, revenge, and rock and roll. Ethan Embry, Charlie Cosmo uh, Lauren Ambrose, Peter Fasinelli, Seth Green, and Jennifer Love Hewitt star in one raucous comedy about the ultimate teen party. A once-in-a-lifetime alternate universe where class nerds become class studs, super jocks are humiliated, and freshman crushes blossom into grown-up romance. From prom queen to bimbo, meathead to misfit, everyone will be there for a hormone-charged ba- hormone bash tapped for out-of-control fun. So, it's pretty good. I think that's yeah, it pretty is. good. Really, the plot of this movie, and we're going to get into this when we talk about um, the cast members, but there's kind of like a few main stories that matter. So you have Preston, who's kind of like the, not a, not really a geek, but...
0: Yeah, people like him. No one really dislikes right. him. He's just kind of like right. whatever.
1: But he's not like the prom king. And he has a crush on Amanda, played by Jennifer Love Hewitt, that he's had since they were freshmen. But she is with, at least up until this, this day, Mike Dexter, who's like that guy that, you know, the king of the high school, the captain of every team, whatever. So there's that story. Then you have... Seth Green's character, Kenny Fisher, who thinks he's um, thinks he's like Dr. Dre or something, even though he's an extremely white kid. And he's just trying to get laid that night. Um, he has a, a past history, friend history when they were way younger with Denise Fleming, played by the very talented Lauren Ambrose. And then I guess the last thing is uh, William Lichter, played by Charlie Korsma was trying to get back at the guy we talked about earlier, uh, Mike Dexter, who is the alpha male, you know, prom queen, captain of every team. So those are the main. There's a bunch of other stuff going on a little, a kind of around it, but those are the things you need to keep in mind. So uh, cast members and what they were doing going into this. This one's tough because like we talked about earlier, the cast is crazy. So I'm going to try to do those main cast members that we just talked about and stop as far as like detailed uh history of their their career and then i have a list of some other people that are just in the movie so we'll start with ethan Embry, who uh, plays preston empire records that thing you do in 96 uh vegas vacation in 97 this in 98 he's also an eagle eye and once upon a time and a showtime series that i watched called brotherhood definitely right rec- have, you, have you seen it
0: yeah you told me i i, I got you off, off your recommendation off when we were at a movie scene
1: yeah yeah it's uh if you're into the like if you're into true crime it's not a true crime show but it's kind of sort of they might as well have said we're making a a show about whitey bulger because it's like it's set in providence rhode island but it's about a organized crime guy whose brother happens to be a senator and it's it's very very tied into whitey bulger so definitely worth a Worth a shot. I um, remember
0: we were talking about that post Black Dawns, I believe, because we were looking for like that replacement, like to fill yeah. that little void for a little bit. Yep. I actually bought I I, I think what's uh four seasons of that show. Yeah, that sounds right. Yep. I think I have the first like three, and I watched the fourth when I was on TV, but yeah, that's a good show. It is,
1: it is Jason it, Clark's it, like, awesome. Yes, Jason Clark's always, always good. Um, so yeah, it's Preston and then uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, who plays Amanda. She Jennifer Love Hewitt is Pretty much the girl everyone had a crush on in the 90s, known for Party of Five, I Know What She Did Last Summer in the sequel, uh, Heartbreakers, The Tuxedo, and a million you know, 90s magazine covers. She was just the most like all-American girl that, like I said, every, everyone had a crush on. Uh, Peter Fascinelli, Mike Dexter, who played Mike Dexter, uh, he had some other work, but I'm surprised he didn't really blow up more. Um, he had the Fastlane series on Fox. A uh, Showtime series called Nurse Jackie, and he also did some work on Six Feet Under, which a few of the cast members here, including the next one we're going to talk about, did. Did you ever get into uh, Six Feet Under, Joe?
0: No, and I, <laughs> I know it's Hill as like the greatest family of all time, so it's something I have to watch at some point.
1: Yeah, definitely worth the.
0: But speaking of TV, speaking TV shows, though, I will say uh, real quick, Brotherhood was three seasons. I just looked it okay. up, so I have okay. the first two, and I watched the last one on <clears> TV. But <laughs> okay, yeah, cool. good show.
1: Um, and then Lauren Ambrose as Denise, the guy that Ebert, the only thing Ebert liked about this one. Um, she's another cast member that was on six feet under, uh, probably, and that's probably what she's most known for. Also in uh, miracle day cycle beach, uh, part in 2000 sleepwalk with me where the wild things are. She's, she's got a nice little career, but I think six feet under is, is what she's most well known for. And that show really is worth checking out
0: agree um, with the last episode being the one of the greatest of all time
1: yeah i would have to go back and re-watch i didn't watch that show i've seen that every episode of that show but i didn't watch it all i wasn't fully invested in it when i watched the, the last episode so I, I i'd have to go back and re-watch it which i would totally do and brie actually likes that show, show so um we could do that she, she would actually watch that with me so but i do remember it being really good yeah I'm still holding on to. I know it's a totally different type of show, but the ending of Schitt's Creek for me is still the best. But um, Charlie Cosmo as William Lickner In film, he was in Dick Tracy, What About Bob, Hook, and then this. That His film career is nothing compared to his career outside of film. He's a lawyer, a Yale graduate. He has a degree in physics from MIT. He's a freaking genius. So that's kind of the funny thing about it is, the character that he plays in the, in, the, in the movie of being the geek guy who knows everything, he is that. I think he's a little bit more socially skilled than he is in the movie, but that was pretty cool. And then lastly, <laughs> Seth Green as Kenny, probably my favorite character in the movie, or at least the most entertaining. Um, last major cast member before we get into the honorable mentions. So he was in Airborne, which is one of my guilty pleasures that I watched growing up. Uh the awesome power series, the Italian job, scooby doo without a paddle, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Family Guy, Knock Around Guys. He probably he's probably had the best career of anyone in the film, right? Yeah, he def-
0: yeah, his crew is really good.
1: Yeah. So and then some other people in the film. So that are these these are kind of more minor characters, but get ready for a, a who's who of nineties stars.
0: Real quick though. I'm sorry, everybody's yeah, yeah. a robot chicken.
1: Uh, no. Well, I've okay. seen, yes. See, that's, I what, seen. I, that's
0: my favorite thing that he's been involved with.
1: Right. And that's one of the things he's more well-known for too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. No. It's really good. It's like they, if for someone who like you like a lot of movies, they play, they, they they reference pop culture so well, like where it's not so forced. And it's just, it's super funny.
1: Yeah. No, I've, I've, I know a lot of people, I think my brother likes that show or loved that or liked that show in the past. Um, so some other people in the film, 90 stars. So well, 90 stars and then some 90s, like kind of that guy's like I know that guy. So Chris Owen, who's the the kid that's stealing stuff throughout the throughout the film, just like randomly in the background. He was in the Shermanator. He was the shermanator for the American Pie series. That's probably what you recognize him from. Jason Siegel, who was his film debut. Jamie Presley, Freddie Rodriguez, also on Six Feet Under. Uh Donald Faison, Selma Blair, Jenna Elfman, who plays the angel stripper girl. Uh, jerry o'connell melissa joan hart and meyer so the fact that and, they, and i'm this isn't even all of them there's there's other people that if you saw their face you'd be like oh i know that guy or i know that girl um sean patrick thomas is in it too they, they, this movie really is i don't know how they got that cast together and i know that they well, all these people were kind of on the up at the time it wasn't like they were at their peak but the fact that they got this cast together for what you said earlier which is a pretty pretty low budget it's pretty. It's nuts. So, um, random facts. You said you only had a couple. Do you want to go first with your random facts? And I'll. And I'll...
0: Yeah, you already said one of them. Okay, <laughs> just, cool. Just, we were kind of. We both touched it real fast. It's the film debut of actor Jason Segel. He's in that brief uh, scene where we have Amanda asking for, uh, who is this mysterious Preston? Preston. Oh, Preston. <laughs> he has a. He has a shirt. He's kind of tall.
1: <laughs> so he he's kind of tall. <laughs> he wears t-shirts sometimes <laughs>
0: yeah um and i also mentioned that breck Meyer. we want he, he's awesome in anything he's in road trip and a couple other films like we said has a lot of side character roles but he's actually he went on credit in this film but he's married to Deborah, who wrote and directed this film oh, that's so cool. yeah that's pretty cool and my last fact is Actually, you just kind of mentioned it. This was Charlie Coruscant's first and last on-screen appearance since Hook. At he was yep. attending MIT when he was offered the role, but yep. looking at his thing, um, I wrote down that he actually was in, I'm not sure when that was updated, he was actually in a movie in 2019. I'm not sure if it was oh. an indie film, so he did come out of that little bit of a... Back in the game. Yeah, so I'm not sure what that will lead to, but he is. He has been in a movie since then.
1: Okay, good to know. Let's keep an eye out for him. Um... I only had a couple more. So the movie is uh, based loosely on Huntington Valley, Pennsylvania and the high school community within it, which is where uh, one of the directors grew up. <clears throat> and then the last one, the film features Blink-182's song, Damn It. While watching this film, Blink-182 lead singer and uh, and bassist Mark Hoppus was al- was also inspired to write Going Away to College, which is pretty cool. Oh,
0: awesome. I know
1: yeah. That's <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So did you have anything down? I think we both have some common ground here uh for not in this millennium stuff that wouldn't fly today
0: yeah lots of degrading and racist jokes that probably would raise some eyebrows <laughs> in culture, for sure I,
1: I told joe before we started recording so i picked this last week and we're in we're officially in june which is pride month and i was like i picked a horrible movie to start pride month so happy pride month to anyone happy pride to month, everyone yes. um and i apologize for homophobic it is the worst part of
0: the movie anyways like it's so
1: yeah so i I, the even crappier thing it was a very real thing in the in the 90s it's still around but fortunately i think it's gotten less common yeah um but uh yeah it's definitely definitely it when it's a word that when you hear it in movies now or tvs now you're like oh you know it's it's you just thankfully it's less common but um also a couple other things to mention uh trying to get someone get revenge on someone by drugging them i mean i get the revenge thing but <laughs> yeah. uh one uh two more a guy making moves on his cousin even if it's his, like second oh my cousin god or I, that was
0: so weird
1: <laughs> that was a funny a funny don't, inappropriate
0: what is it don't tell my, don't tell my parents you're not gonna I tell parent my way. parents are you <laughs> it's like i think a better things to worry about my friends <laughs> yeah
1: and then kenny's uh kenny's uh like little crew member walking up to a handful of black guys. And, I know and that's, and,
0: that's that. Yeah. Like that's what the degrading, like humor comes yeah. into play there. I was like, you have the balls on this guy.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's not a good word to use, but it's funny because of how stupid it is. And, and the fact that they try to kill him, yeah. but then they, they chase him like through the whole neighborhood. And then as soon as him, as soon as they get away, they're like, if they I were still here, I'd, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so ridiculous. So um, what did you have down for your favorite seat?
0: Um, I really like the scenes with Kenny and Denise in the bathroom, and there are pretty great characters in general that should have had a larger spotlight. I'll get to that soon. Their shared moments were both funny and sweet, and I definitely looked forward to them. Um, well, it's a quick one. I love the reaction Amanda gives when she realizes who Preston is. It actually feels so genuine. Really brief when she's looking through the yearbook at the end, yes. she's like, oh, shit, like, this is yep. Preston, who I got just told off. <clears throat> um, and one more thing to mention. I really like how this movie wraps up most of the characters at the end of the movie with a pretty funny look into the future as text appears on the screen. But then after each character gets their close, it goes to Preston and Amanda, which pretty much was the main focus of the movie. Yep. I really like how it shifted towards, um, you know, five moments between them after giving everyone else their clothes. So it feels like, you know, the movie would have ended there in any other film, but instead we get that little bit more of um, runtime to see how they close. Yep. So that's pretty cool. I thought
1: we are on pretty much the exact same page. So what I wrote down is I love the sequence uh, with Kenny and Denise in the bathroom going from making fun of each other, hating each other, and then kind of going through memories of when they were younger and they were close friends and, and, and kind of making up before they hook up, the hookup thing's funny, but I just like the whole, like, and it's true. Like you have, there are kids that I was, you know, really good friends with in second third and fourth grade. And then I, I pass in the halls in high school and never even talk to them for whatever reason. It's just, that's the way life goes. So I, I agree. I like that. That dynamic. The, but my real favorite series, it's a series of scenes. It's not really one. If that works is like you said, the end of the film and starting with Amanda throwing the pictures out of Mike. And the reason, the reason I like this is you can say whatever you want about this film and we're, I'm going to point out some negatives about it after, but the use of the soundtrack, both with like very popular songs like Blink-182's Damn It, like the Third Eye Blind song, Sublime, all that stuff, but then some kind of lesser known stuff. So, like I said, starting with Amanda throwing out pictures of her and Mike, followed by Preston talking to, to, to Denise about last night um, and saying goodbye to Denise, or to Denise as he goes to college. And so wh- while that's going on, Umbrella by Dog's Eye View is playing in the background which is awesome. Uh, And then in the diner, you have William running into Mike and trying to say hi, but then he, you know, because he thinks they're cool and then Mike embarrasses him. And then it goes into the precedent of the train station scene that Joe was talking about, where he kind of finally takes a chance there. So that scene starts with Father Down by Matthew Sweet playing and then transitions into uh, Only You uh, by Yazoo playing. Then at the end credits with Can't Hardly Wait, the, the song goes along with the song name, it goes along with the title of this movie by the replacements playing. I think that when most people think of this this scene, they remember the updates to each cast uh member, like you know, Mike, you know, lost his scholarship and William became rich. Uh and that reminds you of Fast Times of Ed Ridgeman High. And that's totally fair. I kind of recognize that they snagged that from Fast Times and some other movies, but I give them so much credit for the song usage and and using the big name songs earlier in the film but then picking some smaller more appropriate songs for this one for like and it makes the it separates this from the rest of the film it slows it down it makes it more personal and i also think that jennifer love hewitt who's usually a pretty mediocre actress i don't mean that in a bad way like but she's she's not going to win an academy award i don't think i think she does really well in this film and especially in that last scene at the at the station
0: So, yeah, that's yeah, definitely. Go ahead. So, she wants to, uh, 2019, she was talking about you might have seen this wanting to make a Ken hardly wait sequel. How do you feel about that?
1: I don't, I don't know how that would work. And I think it was a
0: reunion, it'd be a reunion. So, almost like American, almost how American Pie did it. I feel like
1: so. Two things I would see it. before i say anything bad about it i will admit that i would see it because i i am a big fan of this one but it it feels sad it feels like you know they need stuff and you know i don't know i i would see it but i, I
0: bring into that 90s fan base
1: yep like with the friends reunion and the and the fresh prince of bel-air reunion and all that stuff yeah um bonus question favorite character in the movie who's your favorite character
0: uh, so I actually was gonna ask you this at the end there. So damn you, Eric. I had I relate to Preston the most. Preston's the most I, I relate to the most because in high school I, he's not my favorite character, but I label wise he's the one I relate to the most. He was someone who you know wasn't the nerd, didn't really have like a, uh, a clique he was part of, but normally yeah, just like gets along either. with
1: everyone. Exactly
0: yeah. that's how I kind of was in high school. Like I could talk to the jock, I could talk to the nerd, and no one would ever like butt heads with me. Yeah. But i loved denise i loved how we see her like in the beginning of the party she has her leather coat on we see her like she's dressed for this party she takes off her coat real fast we see her wearing a nice top yeah then she looks around she's like this, like you know this doesn't feel right so she puts her coat back on yep. so There's no like introverted moments i really just like i loved her character and i love how again my favorite scenes were between her and kenny in the bathroom so yeah Yep.
1: Yeah, i agree um yeah i liked i agree with relating to Preston and that he kind of gets along with everyone. I also love Kenny played by Seth green. And because the thing is, there's like, this is going to sound crazy. There are people that are going to laugh at this, but there are layers to Kenny. You see, you see like the, he looks ridiculous. He's got the goggles on. He's like dancing. wears <laughs> <stuff>. them, <laughs> Right. Exactly. Um, but just the fact that he's like, he's kind of every high school kid. Cause he's just super insecure. He's overcompensating. With him and his friends trying to be rappers and everything but I think deep down he's a decent kid yeah but he's just like I said he's scared he's trying he's to find insecure. himself yeah, yeah. exactly he's, it's like, high
0: school he's trying to find himself that's like whatever. that's was gonna
1: say. like every high school kid and this, the scene that made me literally laugh out loud even though I've seen this movie a hundred times is when he's like he's narrating and he's like you know I've selected my, my ten lucky ladies which <laughs> of the ten is going to be whatever and the girl walks by and he's like Hey Kareem, baby, what's up? And she just keeps walking, and he's like, nine. Which are the lucky? Nine? <laughs> so he, you know, laughs per second on screen. He's for me. Oh yeah, top ten. And I also have to mention that when when I was in high school, this Kenny character, the kid who was like from the suburbs but thought he was like thought he grew up in Compton, that was very much a thing, and I, I'm sure it still is a thing. But what has replaced Kenny? that I've noticed is a kid who grew up in the suburbs and thinks he's from the country. It's, it's a music thing. So it, it, it's just, it's equally ridiculous and equally funny, but yeah, I, I just wanted to mention that. So um, soundtrack, I'll let you talk about it a little bit. I, I was going to say, I think you might have more to say about this one than I do. Um, yeah, I just want to, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: So I have the soundtrack is composed by David Kate if I'm pronounced that right, um, who has been involved with a lot of popular films in the 90s and 2000s but it's also filled with a lot of licensed, music. And uh, that's not a bad thing, obviously. Every song fits the setting great, from the cups, busting the party to the final encounters uh, to the final encounter in the end. So I'll let you take it from here with actual, I'm sure you have a lot more to say.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't have a lot more, um, but of, of all the movies that we've done, I think this one lines up with my high school life and my teenage life more than, more than any other music wise for better and, and for worse. So third eye blind blink 182 smash mouth. That would be the worst uh, Busta Rhymes, Missy Elliott, and then Can't Hardly Wait" Away by The Replacements, which is amazing. And then I think, I've, I don't remember what episode I told this story on, but we brought up Dire Straits on another episode. And I told the story about loving this song, literally watching the VHS tape for the song Romeo and Juliet by Dire Straits, watching the VHS tape to the end until I saw, because this is like pre- internet at least for me until i saw a a song that i was like oh Romeo and juliet that's the song i matched the lyrics and then seeing that it was dire straits and then my dad had a dire straits cd and i remember listening to the entire dire straits cd hoping that that song was on there and it wasn't on there so i love that song and also the killers do a cover of it have you heard that i haven't no oh check it out i will um, yeah, I, I just love this soundtrack. I think it's great. I, th- I think they do a good job of putting the right music a- into the film for, like, for the era, but I also think they use each song well and it lines up with the characters and the moments and all that stuff. So yeah, big, big fan. Yep. Um, if you could change one thing about this one, what would you change?
0: So there's a lot of characters in this film, a lot of really good characters with different personalities, which unfortunately goes against this movie. They cover the jock, the nerd, the introvert, et cetera. And I would have loved to see more of these characters, but Kenny and Denise had such a fun story being locked in the bathroom together two completely different personalities slowly starting to come together. I wish we had more of this. Even if that means removing some of the other characters, there's a lot going on in this film and I wish we could have a bigger focus on less characters than a small focus on more characters. Um, And even though it was the main focus of the film, I actually wish Preston had a little more screen time it feels like he really didn't, and I really looked forward to his awkwardness throughout the scenes. Uh, I wish I had like a count of like which character had more screen time because I feel like watching it now, the jock may have had a little more screen time. but I'm not entirely like I I, I remember seeing him on screen a little bit more than the other characters, but some little nitpicking that there's just a lot yeah. going on in this movie.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's fair. I agree with you about the the um the Kenny stuff. I, I could have done even if there was a scene where um where they just talked about. Like, where Denise gave more of a background of like telling Preston how you, she used to be close with Kenny. They kind of touch on it, but yeah, I agree with that. It would have been cool to get more of a, their history before they made up. So, uh, the thing I would change, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more when I get my score, but one that hasn't aged super well as I've grown up and watched some of these other movies is the direct rip-offs of films that came before it. I saw it came out of the way before I saw it, Fast Times at Richmond High. I know that sounds crazy to some people depending on your age. So the ending scene didn't jump out to me the first time I saw it as like a pretty clear you know take from from Fast Times and I saw this before I saw dozens days of confused. So the Martha Washington Velma from Scooby Doo lines were a little bit over my head until later on. Um I think they could have done a better job of taking the premises from those, but putting like their own spin on it. Um, And then a little thing that extra. this is like a super, so that's my major thing I would change. The other thing that bothered me today was the extra scene at the end, at the end of the whole movie, the credits start to roll. And then there's a scene with William's friends getting abducted by aliens. I thought that was stupid. That was, it bothered me, and it, you could have done that without
0: ridiculous. it. ridiculous. I was just like, I said that this wasn't part of the movie. I was, like, right. I was like, whatever.
1: I could have done without that, especially since it cuts into the Can't Hardly Wait song. Like, I was trying, I was, you just started enjoying the song, and then I think after that, they start the song from the beginning, so it's kind of okay, but it bothered me. I never really thought about it, and it bothered me now, so.
0: I mean, I get but, the whole like X Files, like like that was a joke with like the whole X Files thing. That's what they what was that what they, yeah. with, their, with their, yeah. So like I get the joke, but yeah, like you said, it was kind of ridiculous.
1: And those kids are hilarious. One of the one of the movies I um, one of the lines from this movie, I reference all the time, even with my wife is when he's talking about his internet girlfriend, and he's like, oh, like did you talk to her? And he's like, she's got some photo shoot in Fiji or something like that. Yes. I, I, those guys are funny. I just that one scene, I could have done without that so um all that said it's a part of the podcast we're going to give our score so we rate movies on a scale of one to five would you mind paying a late fee to keep this movie <clears throat> so a score of one is low that's uh you get five minutes in the movie and then you don't even get to the graduation scene and you just you just get bored with it and you turn it off all the way up to a score of five which is you're going to keep the film an extra day or two or three so you can watch it again show it to your friends uh, maybe even just buy it from the video rental store so it was my pick this week. So Joe's going to go first with this score. Joe, uh, what are you giving? Can't hardly wait.
0: Uh, I couldn't decide between a 3 and 3.5. So I give a 3.25. Um, this movie's a lot of fun. There are lots of characters. So it's sort of easy to find someone you can relate to at least a little bit while you watch it and root for the return on screen. But there's a, that's also one of the problems for me. There are just too many characters. While there's something relatable for a lot of people, the character you might, uh, you might like is only on screen for about 10 minutes total. But in that short time with these characters, you really do start caring for some of them, which is an accomplishment on, on its own. So yeah, this, is a, this film's an easy watch and it's, it's something I can enjoy from start to finish. So it's it's you know, what you're getting out of a high school teen rom-com for the most part. And that's what this right. is.
1: Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, so things that I have to acknowledge, this movie is like I said just a minute ago, this movie is clearly influenced by films that came before it. Days and Confused, Fast Times at on High, American Graffiti, et cetera. Um, That's a criticism that a lot of people who are older than me, like 10 years older than me, will say. Maybe even someone like Joe, who's a little bit younger than me. And that's fair. Um, That said, that's kind of like how it goes. American Graffiti influenced Fast Times, which influenced Days and Confused, and so on. So um, I was pretty much going into high school when this one came out. So I love it. Um, It's not perfect, but it's super quotable. Soundtrack is great if you're my age and, but to separate this from the, the all time classics, that's what separates it. I think I, you could show a kid who was born in 2005, you could show him breakfast club and he's going to get it. Like the clothes are weird. There's some differences, but he's going to get it. This movie's not so much, but for me, a kid who was 13 when he saw this in theaters, I'm giving it a four point, four out of five, um, Even though I'm not giving it a five out of five, it's still one of my favorite rewatches. Like you said, it's like just over an hour and a half, one-liners for days. I really enjoyed rewatching. I could probably watch this movie once a month and still laugh, I've I've seen it a hundred times. So Uh, yeah, fun watch. So the beer, beer was great. Uh, The cause of supporting uh, mental health is even better. So that's good. Um, Follow us on Instagram, worth the late fee. uh, and we're going to get into, it's Joe's pick next week. So Joe's going to tell us what we're watching next.
0: We're going to be watching the 1996 George Clooney, Michelle Pfeiffer, One Fine Day. All
1: right. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Clooney fan. So I'm, I'll be honest. I'm not a huge Michelle Pfeiffer fan. Now I don't have a problem with the woman. I just, there aren't a ton of Michelle Pfeiffer movies that I love, that I can think of at least. So it'll be an interesting rewatch maybe get good Brita to watch that one with me
0: yeah yep is she a George Clooney fan
1: um she I mean I think she likes him he's not like her she's not a celebrity he's not a celebrity crush of hers that I know of I'm sure she's aware that he's a handsome handsome <laughs> man but um yeah no I'm I'll try to get her to watch with me so That's thank cool. you guys very much for for listening and we'll be back next week
0: as always guys
1: thank you